Welcome to a topsy-turvy edition here of Campus Life, our weekly college-based uh, episode here on Campus to Canton. Uh, as always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And we are recording this live while the national championship game is going on. So if we pause to freak out or, you know, make some other sort of exclamation, we apologize. Uh, This was the only time this week that worked for us. Uh, And it's kind of fun to watch and and do these simultaneously anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it gives you like the ability to update things live here and, you know, have live reactions to some stuff. Now, obviously, this isn't like the... Uh, topic of the show today, you know, we're going to go in a different direction, but we can still update things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just, we want to lead off the show here tonight because I know once an episode, uh, like the content the meaty part of it kind of ends, everyone tends to pause the podcast or turn it off. I know I do that with a lot of the podcasts I listen to, but if you haven't rated and reviewed the show yet on Apple podcasts, and that's the platform that you listen on, which seems, it seems to be the case. I would highly recommend doing that. We are doing a jersey giveaway. Um, it is a signed. I guess, I'm just going to go ahead and say what it is now, Colin. Go for so, it. Because it arrived in the mail today, so now I feel comfortable saying it. So it is a signed Ohio State J.K. Dobbins jersey. The black uh, one. The, the black one. It looks pretty sick. Um, we're pretty excited about it. Um, we are going to do a drawing here within the next probably two weeks, I would say. Um uh, but right now we only have three reviews on the podcast guys three three like written reviews you know you can rate it and but we don't we can't keep track of that you know we don't we can't put a a, a face or a name to that so if you haven't done that yet go on you know and enter to win this this jersey by doing that um, because the the pool is only two or three other reviews, so you have a really great chance to walk away with a free jersey. We pay shipping. All you have to do is, uh, when you do that, write the review, send us a screenshot of it, um, either on Twitter. I'm at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at Campus Two Canton. The number two in the middle, or you can email it to us. Uh, we are Campus Two Canton at gmail.com, just like Colin's uh, Twitter uh, tag there. So go and do that. Uh, beyond that, I think that's the only early housekeeping thing here we have to do. So let's jump right in. What says you, Colin? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's just dive right into it here. Um, pretty, uh, pretty interested in the show here. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a little bit of a twist. It's it's a common common topic you're going to hear a lot through the out se- off season, but it's got a it's got that special Colin and Austin blend to it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So we we wanted to do a little bit of a palate cleanser, I guess I'm calling it this week. Um, we went really deep on last week's Campus Life episode. I mean, we talked G5, we talked Arkansas State offense, we talked Butch Jones, we talked a bunch of stuff that is really nice to fill out probably the back end of your roster, but they aren't the guys that, you know, they're, they're not the money guys, you know, the, those guys that you want to hear all about, those top players in a class that can really send rosters in your campus to Canton leagues to the next level. So we are going to do a 2022 ranking show, but it's not your typical ranking show. Colin and I each prepared our list. We did the top five at quarterback wide receiver and running back and top three at tight end. And we gave them to each other and we have to argue each other's lists against each other so if colin has a guy a lot higher than me on his list i'm going to be arguing for that player 
in tonight's show. We thought this would be a fun exercise to kind of get us outside a little bit of our comfort zones, maybe change our, our opinions, maybe change your opinions. We're really excited to do this. We're not exactly sure how it's going to go, but <laughs> let's do it live. That's the best way to do it, baby. Absolutely. I mean, we, we never really know how these shows are going to turn out until we just kind of do it. Uh, so, you know, with that in mind, we may as well just just dive right in and, and hope for the best. Awesome. Yeah. So we have first up is quarterback here. We always start with quarterback. It's the most important position out there. And we have very similar rankings here. So we're going to talk about maybe some of the small differences that we have uh, on our list. So Colin gave me his list. Uh, well, and I'll say it this way. We both have the same top three. We have UNC Sam Howell, number one. We have Oklahoma's Spencer Rattler, number two, and Arizona State's Jaden Daniels, number three. After that, the list diverge a little bit. Colin has Dylan Gabriel, fourth, and Keaton Slovis, fifth. I have Keaton Slovis, fourth, and then I have Graham Mertz, fifth. So Colin's going to tell us, uh, this was a hard one for us to really argue about. So we're going to spend a little part of this time just discussing, you know, it seems like Sam Howell's consensus one, and then there's a lot of different options for number two. So Colin, why do we both think that Spencer Rattler is QB2 in this class as of today? Well, I mean, we talked a little bit about Spencer Rattler before, uh, you know, on the shows, um, you know, so you've heard us mention about him a little bit, you know, our thoughts a little bit about him here, but you know, we'll dive a little bit more into I'm going to dive a little bit more into this profile here. And I mean, he's got that 6'1", 205 size. So, you know, a little undersized from what your, your traditional quarterback has looked like in the past. But with the success of guys like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees and Kyler Murray, you know, the 6'1 the size isn't really going to bother anybody. Um, you know, and, and two or two, like right around that same size. So, you know, 6'1", 205 is nothing to worry about there. Um, now, one of the things that, you know, just jumps right off the page with Rattler is just the way he throws the ball with a flick of the wrist. You know, he's got a strong NFL caliber arm right now. You know, he can just, like I said, it's just, it just looks effortless with him. Um, and then he also has a quick release to go along with that too. Um, so he's just checks a lot of the boxes that you want to see as far as like a natural uh, passer goes with the mechanics and everything like that as well. You know, and that leads to to him having good accuracy to all of the levels of the field. Um, you know, he I think he really sets his wide receivers up well for success too. Um, you know, he puts them in a good position to make plays. And you know, like like we mentioned before too, you know, he he doesn't really make the same mistakes. So you saw earlier in the year, um, you know, he had that big three interception game against Kansas State, where you know he, he even kind of got benched for a little bit there, and you know, he just. He didn't look great that game, but, you know, he bounced back the next week uh, against Iowa State, and then they did lose, but he looked better, you know, and then he looked better again against Texas the week after that and just progressively, you know, kept building it up until, you know, you saw him just dismantle Florida. Um, so, you know, like we said, he he's very smart quarterback, very, uh, like you said, doesn't make that same mistake twice. So, you know, he learns very well from from Riley. And then something else that's, you know, checks a big box for me, like we mentioned in the past, is, you know, he's he was listed as a pro style quarterback, um, but he's, you know, definitely a, you know, he's definitely an athlete. Um, you know, he moves well, um, you know, he can pick up some some chunk yards on scrambles here and there, uh, but he doesn't really look to run. Um, he gets outside the pocket, 
uh, and but he keeps his eyes downfield. So he's looking. He's always looking to make a play with his arm first. But he definitely can create outside of structure, which is just really something that you need in this day and age. Um, so you know he had a great year this year: three thousand yards passing, twenty-eight yards touching, touch, twenty-eight touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions. You know, added one hundred and sixty yards on the ground and six rushing touchdowns. Um, so you know, big year this year, and obviously everybody's really looking forward to him next year. So I don't think it's really a surprise to anybody that we have him at two. I think he's mostly the consensus. Um, but I, I mean, and I'm not going to speak for you here, but you know, I think, I think for me, it's a little bit closer in that two, three race than it is for most people. Um, you know, I don't think it's a, a huge drop down to the next guy we're going to talk about here in Jaden Daniels. Um, you know, I liked Daniels a lot. Like I came away very impressed when I watched him, at least his freshman tape. Now he only had four games this year. So yeah. Yeah. And I know. think that's going to be, that's the big separator right now. Right. Cause yeah. we just watched, we just watched a full season of Rattler and we only got four games at Daniels. So right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I haven't watched any of those games in depth yet this year. Um, yeah, I have, I have, well, I, I, I watched them for enjoyment, but I haven't sat right. down and actually watched them yet. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't right. That. Right. So, I mean, while his numbers aren't going to look impressive to anybody, um, you know, he threw for 700 yards, uh, you know, and only five touchdowns, but again, it was only through four games. Um, so, you know, and, and it was in a tough, weird year too. So, you know, it was kind of hard year to, you know, they had camp and then they didn't have camp and the big, tw- uh, the pac 12 started real late. So it was kind of like a, an up topsy turvy, you know, off season here leading up to it. So, you know, not tough for a guy like that to build some any consistency leading into the season. So obviously we're not writing this season off for any of the Pac-12 guys, but you know, it is something that you're really gonna want to look more towards next year and how that goes and you know, put less weight on that sophomore season. Um yeah, I, I'm giving most guys a pass that played that amount of games this year, unless what they did was just egregious. Right. Um because yeah, I mean it's just so hard to, you know, you're playing and then like Thursday you find out you're not playing, and then maybe you find out that your game has moved to Sunday and you're playing somebody else. That whole conference was just a mess this year. So yeah, I'm giving all those like because I, I didn't even really like I, people jumped Slovis for me this year, but I didn't like knock Slovis that much. I, I think right. I just there were a couple guys that just did better than him this year. Um, because he's a guy that that slid down a little bit for me, but Right, and I think that's pretty much why I put Gabriel over Slovis right now. I mean, those two are very close for me, and that's your topic. So you know, I'll kind of let you talk a little bit more about that. I won't steal the show here, um, but I think one of the biggest things that separates Daniels from those guys for me is Daniels is just a plus athlete. You know, he just adds such a nice dimension to the game with his legs, where he can pick up huge chunks of yards on his scrambles. Uh, but you know, not only he can he pick up those big chunks of yards on the scrambles, he's also a smart runner. You know, he doesn't take unnecessary hits. You, you're always seeing him slide and get down. You're always seeing him step out of bounds and, and avoid taking these big hits, um, which is really good for a guy that slight. I mean, he's 6'3", 185, uh, which and, and when you look at him too, you know, he's very slight. So you definitely want to see him pack on you know, another 10, 15 pounds of muscle there, if you can, or, or weight. So, so that way he can fill out a little bit more. Um, but, you know, again, pretty much has the requisite size there at the six, three height. Uh, but he also throws pretty well on the run overall. 
he just needs to develop a little bit more consistency with it because um, he does, you know, when he does get out in the pocket, sometimes he does have a tendency to, to overthrow some guys. Um, so while he can do it and shows shows nice flashes of it, um, I'll have to dive in this year and see if he developed that ability. Uh, but he did also show his ability to move through progressions consistently from the pocket, which is something that you like to see from a guy who's that athletic too. You know, he moves from one feet read, he moves across the field. Um, and if it's not there, he's not afraid to just check the ball down. It takes what the defense gives him, which again, from a guy who can run the ball like he can, you know, you like to see him move through his progress progressions and then take that check down if it's there and not just you know first read maybe second read and then he's off and running um so i think he shows a lot of potential um and i think it's a pretty drop big drop off for me from him to the next two guys yeah i'd agree with that um uh, and i didn't necessarily think it that much before the year but i think it became pretty apparent that there's that there's a steep drop off after those guys to the point actually where i don't think i want uh, any of the guys after those three, if I don't come away with one of those in like a true Debbie draft or like a rookie draft, I think I just kind of punt the position for the year. Now on a C2C, it's a little different because Gabriel is going to put up some, you know, crazy points next year and Slovis probably will as well. And there might be you know one or two other guys in that class, Desmond Ritter, um, like a couple other guys that, that can do that as well. But yeah, I think as of right now, there's really only three guys that I'm comfortable in projecting. Right. And I think that's, kind of parallels this year's class too, to be honest with you. I mean, you have uh, Sam Howell at the top who everybody's had at the top for a while. Now, obviously he, I don't think he's on the level of a prospect of Trevor Lawrence, but I think comparatively class to class, you know, he's more of the Trevor Lawrence of this class where, you know, you, everybody kind of has him at the top. And I think, and we mentioned this before too, where, you know, I, I think he might struggle a little bit next year, given like all of the weapons that he's losing, but you know, don't be fooled by that. You know, remember how good he's looked before this and don't try to get cute. And you're going to see some people have Rattler jump him for sure. Like you had some people, you know, jump him with fields at points in time or, you know, say, oh, his fields, you know, in contention for it. And as much as I like Rattler, I don't know if I'm going to see him on the same level as Howell. So then you got you know, the Rattler Daniels tier, from, which is kind of along the lines of the Fields Wilson tier for me. So I think that's kind of these classes are going to parallel each other. That's interesting because I actually I think it's really close between Rattler and Hal. Um, and as I said on last week on last week's show, I think that the Rattler is going to jump him this year. I'd almost be willing to put a significant amount of money on it that. Oklahoma is going to have a huge year and I think UNC is going to struggle compared to expectations. I think Rattler is going to jump him. It wouldn't shock me at all if Rattler wins the Heisman because it's just it, that Oklahoma, you know, it, the combination of you take Rattler's skill level and then I think he's a pretty smart player. And then you add Lincoln Riley to kind of crank those things up to an 11. And because he's shown he can do it. I mean, he's, he took Jalen Hurts and made him look competent and got a draft sure. in the second round. So yeah, I think in a C2C, I almost actually lean Rattler because I think I'm going to get huge production from him next year. And then he's going to go to the NFL and be a really good player as well. So, yeah. Right. With this, yeah, with the C2C angle, I definitely see the the argument there with taking Rattler uh, just because of the production you're going to get next year. It's going to be huge production. Um, but I, I don't know. I I personally, I really like Sam Howell. Um you know, and we can get more into him in, in another episode as well, because I don't want to take up too much of the time here. Um, you know, I'll let you move on to to the next two guys, but it'll be an interesting debate all off season and into next year. 
Yeah, so um, I was tasked with talking about Dylan Gabriel here a little bit. Colin has him as the number four guy in this class. He is a former three-star guy. He was number 27 pro style in his class. Uh, and he went in right to UCF, kind of took advantage of the situation there with Mackenzie Milton uh, getting that that horrific knee injury, grabbed that starting spot, and just has not looked back to the point where Milton has now had to transfer to Florida State. There is a lot of good on Dylan Gabriel's tape, and I'm going to start with that portion of what I'm about to say here. He is a like a prototypical West Coast offense quarterback. He is awesome when you tell him it is a three-step drop or maybe five, but really a you know, three-step drop. It just, and you know, timing route, just hit that wide receiver right, you know, 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, let him do a little bit of work and just keep moving it on. He throws those guys open really, really well. He's a good decision maker. I like a lot about how confident he is on his short and intermediate work to the point where he's not afraid to put some juice on that ball and really sling it in there. Um, he's got some safe ball placement, which I really like. You don't see him put the ball in dangerous way. Um, and he's been very efficient down passing downfield the past couple of years in college. Unfortunately, and those are all really good things. And I think, I, I mean, I can see where Colin's coming from where he has him as the fourth quarterback in this class. The problem is that when I say that he puts juice on the short and intermediate stuff, I think that's his fastball. And I think that's as fast as it goes. I don't think he has a sixth gear on top of that. He has like, when you watch him throw deep, he has been efficient in college, but he has a bit of a longer windup on those throws, which tells me that he probably doesn't necessarily have the arm strength and he's really throwing everything he can into it to make it work. He throws a lot of those deep throws, not all of them, but a lot of them on more of a flatter plane, which again shows me that he doesn't quite have the requisite arm strength to kind of, you know, like, like if Russell Wilson is the, you know, what you really, really want out of that because he throws it so, so damn high. And it allows that wide receiver to find the ball, track it, and get underneath it and adjust to it. Gabriel would have to just be absurdly, absurdly accurate in the NFL to make what he does work because it's not giving the receiver a lot of time to get underneath that ball once it leaves his hand. And actually, if you watch him throw deep, he doesn't wait until the guy like is truly deep he'll try to hit him like 30 yards away instead of like 50 because i don't think he could make it 50 i just don't think he really has it in his arsenal so i was texting colin while i was watching him and i was like i i I, like i like gabriel i have him i had him in my top five actually when i sent him my list i dropped him out of the top (laughs) five because i said okay i like this i like this i like this and then i got to arm strength and i was like this is like disqualifying like i i can't I can't imagine this guy making it in the NFL because he just doesn't have the arm. That's see, that's really interesting. Cause I did put that. I feel he has a passable arm strength. You know, I think he has, you know, a good enough arm that he'll be, you know, passable in the NFL, obviously not a howitzer. You know, it doesn't look as effortless as it does with guys like Rattler too. Um, you know, but I, I think he's going to be okay. Um, you know, I am going to have to to go back and watch the trajectory of the ball a little bit there, a little bit more on the deep balls. You know, where you're talking about it, throwing it on a flat plane. 
Um, and you know, that's something I always like just as a, an aside here, something I always like talking prospects with you about is cause you just notice some things that I just, I don't notice with some of these guys. Um, you know, cause I think I, I one of my concerns is, you know, his deep ball, he does have a tendency, you know, to kind of leave, leave it shorter sometimes, or he'll overthrow it sometimes. So he needs to, I did think he needed to rein it in a little bit more in the deep ball. Um, and I do think he has uh, a bit of a slower windup, a bit of a slower release. Uh, so I, you know, that's, that's something I'm definitely gonna have to go back and check out. Um, but I really do like all of his other stuff. And then just, you know, one thing that uh, I like about him that I don't, that you hadn't touched on is I think he's underrated as a runner. Um, yeah. I think he can get outside the pocket and pick up some first downs on scrambles. Obviously it's not a, a, something you want him doing on a consistent basis. Um, uh, but you know, I think he's probably in, in the realm of like a Kirk cousins when it comes to things like that, where he can get out and, and run a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. I did. For, I did forget to, to mention that. And I agree with that hundred percent. Um, it, it is nice once you do these things, like we've both been doing this a couple of years now, you start to be able to get baselines for things like Joe Burrow last year. I think after I watched him, I decided that Joe Burrow's arm strength is about my baseline for a quarterback. I think if okay. you're any, if you have any weaker of an arm than, than Joe Burrow, I'm a very, it's very questionable whether you can do it in the NFL. And I just think that Gabriel is less than that personally, but okay. yeah. Yeah. So that's, that, I mean, that like, that's kind of what I compare it to. And I say, you know, does he throw it as hard as that? If he doesn't, mm, that right. might not be for me. So, um, so we both, you know, we did our top fives and then we each gave a sleeper that we were just going to talk on for like a minute, a piece here. We're not even going to rebuttal each other on these. We're just going to, you know, kind of say why we like them, why we think they could jump up lists for this coming year. So Colin, who is your sleeper quarterback in the 2022 class? Uh, so my sleeper is, um, uh... Michael Penix Jr. out of Indiana. Um, and, you know, he's a guy who he's looked really good at times when he's been on the field. But the problem with him has just been staying on the field. Um, you know, he played six games last year uh, before suffering what they called a right SC joint injury. Um, and this is like right where your collarbone connects into your sternum. So it's like right by your neck. Uh, and there's a lot of different ligaments you have going on in there. So, it's kind of vague with that description, but it's not something that you have to worry too much about long-term um, because, you know, your, your throwing motion um, isn't overly affected too much by that. I mean, obviously it's going to put a damper on it in the immediate term, but the fact that it's on the opposite side as well, this is on his right side and he's a lefty, nothing you need to worry about there. Uh, but then he tears his ACL this year. Um so it's going to take a bit of a time. And it was a little bit later in the year, too, with the way they pushed back the Big Ten season. So it is going to take him a little bit of time to work back into it next year and to look comfortable. Um, but neither of those injuries are, are soft tissue injuries. They're nothing that you expect to be reoccurring. So, you know, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, but the big thing with um, with Penix is, you know, he's a plus athlete. Um, you know, he can move really well, but he you would like to see him use his legs a little bit more, uh, actually. You know, me, me personally, I'd like to see him get outside the pocket a little bit more than what he does. Um, you know, he only had 25 yards rushing this year, um, and he had 119 yards on the ground last year. Um, but he's a player that you know defenses should have to game plan for on the ground. And then he has that you know NFL caliber arm, um, so he checks a lot of the tools boxes. Now his completion percentage did dip a little bit this year, um, you know, down to 56.4 percent. So I'm gonna have to dig in a little bit deeper there. But overall, he checks a lot of the boxes for for what I'm looking for, um, and I know your guy Felix is uh, 
is, is a smart guy, and I know uh, Penix is one of his guys too. So, um, you know, anytime Felix talks, I, I I take a take a note down too. So, you know, what I, when we're both on the same guy, you know, it makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I <clears throat> I'll never say this to him his face, but he's a he's a real smart guy and just a great person to to, to talk to. Now he'll listen to this show tomorrow and he'll probably message me. Um, yeah, well, especially because he's one of our two reviews. So that's also a good point. Uh, so my guy is Phil Jerkovich from Boston College, um, former you know, mid high star four star guy. Went to Notre Dame, didn't work out there. Uh, got stuck behind Ian Book um, and transferred to Boston College this past off season. Just, I like him. I think he's very inconsistent on a throw-to-throw basis. I would like to see him clean that up. So I think he's not even in like my top six or seven for next year. But he's just one of those guys where he has the NFL size. He has an NFL arm. He's 6'5", 226. And he, I, I could see him being that guy next year where no one's really talking about him. And he kind of comes out of nowhere and has a really another really good year. They have some nice skill position guys there. You know, both their receivers, um, Zay Flowers and um, oh, why am I blanking on the other guy's name? Zay Flowers and uh, Jalen Gill, who transferred from from uh, Ohio State. Uh, they do lose Hunter Long this year, but I think with those two guys coming back, they'll be taking. You know, it's going to be a very vertical passing attack, which I think favors what he can do so don't be shocked if he kind of shoots up rankings a little bit this year and gets some some talk this time next year um oh go ahead no no you're good you're good um so let's move on to running back here um so running back is another position where i think we have uh the top the top couple at least are very similar um and i think in general they're very chalky i think most lists are going to look like uh, Brees Hall, number one from Iowa State, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, number two, and Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, number three. Um, and outside of that, then Colin looks like you have Penn State's Noah Kane, number four, and Ole Miss running back Jerry and Ely, number five, whereas I have Tennessee's Eric Gray at four and then Kane as my fifth. So I know he's not in your top five, Colin, but sell me some Eric Gray. <laughs> Um, so Eric Ray is not in my top five, but he is, he is close. Um, you know, he's right there, probably six, seven ish. Um, but you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of, to like about him. You know, he's got good size, five ten, two Oh five. Uh, you know, he could add some weight, but I don't necessarily think it's, I don't think it's necessary. I think he's okay as is, um, you know, he was a four-star guy coming out to, you know, the number three all purpose back. Um, so given his size listing it as an all purpose back, like that's what you like to see. Um, and he does look natural catching the ball. You know, I definitely think he can be a plus in the past game. You know, he, he catches more than just dump offs. Um, you know, he runs some routes out of the backfield. Uh, so, you know, it definitely has that three down skill set that you're looking for. Uh, you know, maybe he'll probably be serviceable at the goal line. And I don't think he's anybody you'll have to pull out. Um, but you know, he could potentially get usurped if there's somebody on the team that that is a strong goal line runner. Um, but you know, as for a guy that size too, he has very good contact balance. You know, he does not go down easy. Um, you know, so again, I I don't think he's going to need to be pulled out. I think he has that three down skill set. Um, but you know, the biggest concern there is obviously his, his speed, you know, he, he registered a four, five, seven in high school, which is, which is definitely passable. Uh, but when you just watch him, it just seems to lack that next gear to have like these long breakaway runs. 
Um, now, in the Vandy game in 2019, he did have these two big, long runs. Um, so if you watch that game, you're going to be like, Colin, what are you talking about? But watch the Vandy players. like They just give up on him. You know, they, they, they don't care. They, they could have caught him, I think, by the looks of it, but they just didn't seem to care. Um, and then one of the other things I really like about Eric Gray, too, is he returns kicks at times. Um, you know, so he's got that versatile skill set, like we were talking about a little bit too, but that also goes to show you his, you know, ability in the open field. Um, you know, he can, he has good open field vision. Um, and that's what contributes to his longer runs that you do see. So I definitely like Eric Gray a lot. Um, you know, again, also I'd be remiss not to mention his footwork, um, and his lateral agility, which I think is pretty solid as well. Um, but you know, I, so he's not too far outside the top 10. So I definitely see where you're coming from on him. Yeah, I'd agree with pretty much all of that. Um, and for me, it's kind of like a Javante Williams scenario for me where it's not even like, like he's my RB4. And it's just more of the fact that there's just nobody, like after three, it is a crazy drop off in terms of talent in next year's class. And then maybe we'll have a Javante Williams that comes out of nowhere and kind of slides up in those rankings. But I think Eric Gray is more a RB4 by default for me than maybe somebody that I absolutely love. Um, so maybe, I don't know. I mean, I just read about Jerry and Ely. Maybe he slides into my, you know, a top five next year. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you well, while, wanted, we're the, yeah, yeah. Say, while we're on the topic of Jerry and Ely, why don't you just, you know, dive right into it? Hmm, okay. I think I will. Um, let's see here. So you were just talking about Eric Gray's, um, kick return ability. And I think that is the first thing that you have to talk about with Ely. I think even if he never becomes a high end or even, you know, a fantasy relevant running back or a guy you, you want to consider starting week in week out, he can absolutely be a really good returner in the NFL. And I think he has a career there if he wants to do that. Um, and I mean, this year he averaged almost 30 yards per return, which is pretty, pretty great. Uh, he has a touchdown each of the past two years, and he's just deadly in the open field. You know, he is a very good athlete, uh, great burst. He's elusive, um, very explosive. I, I like that side of his game a lot. A couple, the other thing that I really like about him is he is a very good pass catcher. Um, 20 receptions for 172 yards and a touchdown freshman year and um, was on pace to do that again this year, basically. In fewer games, he had 15 catches, 155 yards, and a touchdown. So he is definitely a, a usable in the passing game, and I think he can be a, a very good player in that role in the NFL. Where I have an issue with Jerry on Ely and why he slid down, he's my RB7 right now, well, two things, one on field, one off field. Um, he's only 5'8", 190. And he does not look like he has much frame left to spare to, to gain a few pounds. I have serious doubts that he could get over 200 pounds and still maintain his current athletic profile. If he can, then I am all about some Jerry on Ely and some drafts in a couple of years. So combine is going to be big for him if he can gain that weight and still run like we think he's going to run. My other problem with him and... I know we're riding a little bit of a high as dynasty Devi you know, fantasy football players with Kyler Murray eschewing the MLB and coming to the NFL because he was a high-end baseball prospect. But Jerry on Ely is also a very high-end baseball prospect to the point where there were serious concerns about him even playing college in or playing football in college 
Uh, it was thought that he would become a baseball player. Now, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, he, I know he still plays baseball at Ole Miss. Um, as far as I know, he was like a 31st round draft pick or something a couple years ago for MLB, which it doesn't sound great, but I know they have like like 200 rounds or something like absurd. I, it's not 200. I don't know what it is, but it's a lot. A lot. I mean, 31 isn't like the last round. Like there's a plenty after that. And I think that was as a high schooler. So you have to imagine if he's playing well at Ole Miss that he's going to bump up there a little bit. And I know that he had said that he didn't really prefer one over the other. I think he was going to basically take the one that was working out best for him. So has football worked out so great for him that he's going to choose that? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like that's, that's a, like an honest question for me. I don't know. So that, uh, that level of uncertainty would cause me to really back off spending any sort of an early pick on him for right now. If he came out tomorrow and said, I'm all in on football, I'm never picking up a baseball bat again, unless I'm like defending my house from a home invasion. <laughs> then yeah, then I could see me spending an early ish, you know, like, uh, I, I have him graded as like a mid late rookie second round pick right now. So that's like a mid to mid late day two NFL draft pick. So in a C2C league, maybe I would take him in the fourth, third, fourth round, late third. And I think I'd be pretty happy with that kind of pick. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, Jerry Neely, my number five guy there. So I'm not going to, you know, go on to, I think you made it too much. I think you made a pretty good point for him there. Um, I, the only thing I will say is regarding baseball, um, he is actually expected to not play this year. Um, he's expected to have, uh, he has a shoulder injury a little bit. He's expected to, to have potentially have some surgery and rehab that. Um, but if he does miss the 2021 baseball season and 2021 football season goes well, um, I could see his, that, you know, being a factor in him, you know, deciding to choose football over baseball. Cool. I didn't know that. So that's, that's interesting to hear. Definitely something that I will be monitoring as the off season goes on. Um, Colin, your sleeper here is a guy that I don't really hear a lot of a lot of people talking about. So I would like to hear what you have to say about him. Uh, yeah, so my my sleeper guy here is Austin Jones out of Stanford, um, and you know he's kind of a forgotten guy a little bit there, just being you know out on the West Coast and and being a Pac-12 guy in general. And then you know we've also mentioned the Pac-12 season this year and just creating a lot of. Uh, you know, under the radar kind of guys there as well. So, um, you know, I think that's probably the reason why you're not hearing a lot of people talk about him right now, but I think you're going to hear people, um, you know, I think you're going to hear that pick up a little bit here as, as people start to get into, um, you know, his tape a little bit more in this off season. But, you know, the thing with Austin Jones is, you know, he's got solid size, 5'10", 201, you know, could bulk up a little bit there, uh, but, you know, he showed the ability to be an absolute workhorse this year. Um, you know, he had 20 carries or more in every single game this year, uh, except for the Colorado game where he had nine carries for nine yards and a touchdown, uh, which is just kind of a weird game there for him. They did have seven catches for 48 yards. Um, so I'll have to dive into that one a little bit more and just see if it was kind of Colorado's game plan on defense where they let him have more through the air rather than on the ground. Um, but he had, you know, three 100-yard games this year. He had at least 85 yards in every game besides that Colorado game. Um, you know, and he had you know, 21 catches for 156 yards this year as well. So, you know, he shows good ability in the passing game. And he's not just taking these, like, dump-offs and check-downs. Like, he runs a variety of routes. 
um, you know, out of the backfield. And he shows really natural hands catching the ball. So I think he's somebody who is kind of along um, you know, the veins of an Eric Gray in that they're they're not the most ideal size wise, but they are they, they have a three down skill set. Um, and then, you know, Austin Jones is, is a patient runner too. Uh, you know, he doesn't look to run bounces, runs outside. He has good vision. He waits for that hole to open up and then, you know, he'll hit the next gear. Uh, but he is quicker than fast. So he doesn't have that you know, top uh, end gear to hit a home run and break off some of these big chunk gains. Um, so that is a little bit of a concern with me. Um, you know, I, I'm going to want to see a little bit more of that, but I, like you said, he's not a guy that anybody's talking about right now. And I really like his, his profile. Um, you know, he's, he's right at the edge of my top 10 right now. He's like right at the, like the nine ten spot. Yeah. I like that call. I actually had somebody DM me a couple of days ago and they were saying, they, they said, you know, I, this is my prediction for RB ones in college next year. What do you think? And they gave me, they gave me a really good list and they asked, you know, do you have any guys that you think could make this list that, that aren't on it? And I said, I think Austin Jones is a sneaky guy next year because Stanford will commit to the run. And I think people love EJ Smith. I mean, he's got, he's Emmett Smith's kid. So that obviously feeds into that hype, but he did look really good in high school too. He's a four star, but I still think it's Jones's backfield majority to lose. They, they give the majority of the touches to one guy. And right. I still think Jones has another year to be that guy. So it, yeah, I think he's in a C2C league. I think he's a screaming buy right now. And in Devi leagues, you know, I, he's definitely a guy that I would be monitoring. And depending on how deep my draft is, you know, maybe if I have a really late pick, I just kind of stash him and he accrues some value over the next year or so. Yeah, I, I like that call a lot. Good. Yeah. And I mean, I like, I like your, uh, your honorable mention, your sleeper here as well. He's a guy who's also inside my top 10. Yeah. So I have Ford right above Jones in my rankings. They're very, very close to room Ford here from Cincinnati. Um, I, I've been a big Jerome Ford fan for a while. I thought he could break through at Alabama behind Najee and those guys, but I feel like Najee and Brian Robinson have just been there for forever, man. Like, I feel yeah. like they put, they forced so many backs away because they just hung out there for, in my opinion, too long. But, but, you know, obviously Saban liked them there because they're winning games. I mean, I, we just watched uh, Najee score a touchdown here 30 seconds ago. They're, he's crushing it tonight. So Exactly. So Ford had to leave Bama after two years and it's worked out, I think, pretty well for him. He didn't get a ton of touches this year at Cincinnati, um, but he got I mean, he looked really good in their last game of the year against Georgia. Um, I mean, on the year, he had 73 carries, 483 yards, eight touchdowns. So good for 6.6 per touch. And then against Georgia, he had 897 and one and just looked great out there. Um, he was splitting some touches with Dokes. Um, I forget what his first name is. Is it Jared it's like or Jared? Jared. It's yeah. like spelled weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But Dokes is a senior, and we got to hit that button again that says, well, everybody can come back next year, so we don't know anything. But assuming that Dokes leaves, I think Ford gets a lot of those touches, and I think he's going to be a guy that is shoots up boards next year. He's 5'11", 215. I think he has that really nice traditional running back build where I think he could still gain a few more pounds and not lose really a lot of what he's got. He has very good hands. I think he can be at minimum a competent guy in that aspect. And I think he can be even a little bit more than that in the NFL. 
And the thing, I think my favorite thing about him is that he is just a smooth, smooth, smooth operator. Probably, in, in my opinion, one of the smoother running backs in college football. He makes everything look effortless. He can change direction so easily without losing much speed. He's just a guy that I really like to watch. And I think I'm trying to buy him pretty much everywhere I can off this offseason before the, the hype starts to build during the year. Yeah, I think that's a great call. Um, like I said, I have him, uh, you know, right there with, with Austin Jones as well. Um, I think I have just right off the top of my head, I think I have Jerome Ford, uh, at eight, uh, and I think I have Jones at nine. Um, so they're right there for me. Um, but again, you know, the, like you said, like the fluidity of Ford is, is kind of what separates him and Jones a little bit, but I think in a C2C league, yeah, I probably lean Jones for next year, just for that production you're going to get for him. Um, just because, you know, I, I don't. I think Cincinnati's offense may take a bit of a, a little bit of a step back next year. You know, I think they kind of, um, you know, I, I think they they kind of showed their ceiling this year. So I'm going to throw this something at you here really quickly, and neither of us talked about this at all. Love um, it. Running, running back related here. Master T is having a really good night tonight, and he just came back from that Achilles injury. We promised a little bit of instant analysis here. Do you think Master T could be a guy that maybe you're buying without looking into it at all going into next year? Like, would you just <laughs> be willing to blanket say, yes, if I can get a solid price for Master Teague, I will go for him? No, I'm going to sell him one after this performance and two based on the running backs that they're bringing in in Henderson and uh, Evan. It's not Prater. Um, prior. 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 Evan Pryor, too cl- too close with the Evans there. Yeah, and they're um, both in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with the two guys that they're bringing in and coming off of this performance, I'm probably I probably would look to sell him. Actually, okay, that's a really good point. You know, I just off the cuff decided <laughs> to think of that. Um, no, I like yeah. it. Yeah, he's a different kind of back than either of them are, though. So right. I do think there might be value. You know, then maybe that that backfield is not quite as open as we thought going into next year. You know, maybe we have to reconsider that. I don't know. Man, I don't like like I mentioned on our on our freshman ranking though show. Man, I just I like Travion Henderson a lot. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Um, all right, so let's move on here to wide receiver. Um, so we do again. We kind of have to acknowledge that the top five wide receivers, like even more so than running back, like running back, there's that top three that's that's basically carved in stone at the moment. Wide receiver really is the top five that are kind of in a tier all of their own. And then it's a severe drop off, in my opinion. After that, there's a lot of guys that I that could make the next step over the next couple of years. Um, it, the class has a lot of big bodied athletes that just haven't put it all together yet. Um, Clemson has Ladson and Nada. You have Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, Eastern Carolina, CJ Johnson. Uh, Oklahoma has Theo Weiss and Jadon Hasselwood. Um, but none of those guys actually fall into what we want to talk about here. Uh, the top five that we have in differing orders. Um, so Colin has David Bell, number one, George Pickens from Georgia, number two, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, number three, Drake London from USC, four, and Traylon Burks, number five. Like I said, my list, same guys, different order. Pickens, one, then Wilson, Burks, Bell, and London, fifth. So Colin... Why should maybe you be higher on George Pickens than you already? Or sorry, no. Why oh. should you be higher on Traylon Burks? Yeah, almost three. I was like, whoa. All right, I was ready to talk about Burks here. 
Um, I mean, I could talk Pickens. Like, I like Pickens too, but um, no, I think Pickens is a lot of people's wide receiver one. And you're going to get into a little bit of why I think David Bell is ahead of him. But, um, you know, going with Burks here, I mean, it's easy to see why people love Burks. He just has that prototypical alpha build. It's 6'3, 225, you know, and he's a size speed specimen as well. Um, you know, he's got some wheels. Um, you know, so if you're looking for the next guy to to be like a DK Metcalf type where he just lights the league on fire early, uh, you know, with his size and his speed and just tossing people around, I think Burke is Burks is a guy that you could, you know, see being that guy. You know, he was a high four-star guy in his class too, uh, wide receiver 16. Um, but I think the biggest thing to love about Burks, and it's something that just jumps out at you right away, is he's just used all over the formation in such a variety of ways by that Arkansas offense. Like they clearly recognize this guy's the best player on their team and they need to get him the ball. So, I mean, hats off to the coaching staff there for that one. Uh, but, you know, you see him used in sweeps, you see him used in handoffs on general out of the backfield. You know, he'll catch the ball out of the backfield. They move him in motion. They put him out wide. They put him in the slot. They put him everywhere. And they just want the ball in his hands because they know he gives their offense the best chance to win. So that versatility from a guy of that size is just, that's almost drooling dual scene. So I definitely get why people have him so high. Um, you know, and then he also displays great body control too, and high and the ability to go up and get the ball. Um, you know, th- that's something that just stands out too. You know, he just so many sideline catches with these toe taps and spectacular catches. So, um, you know, he's got very good hands there as well. So I get it. You know, I, I get the love for Traylon Burks and I like him too, but my worry a little bit here is, you know, that his QB play like it's just I'm not sure what that's going to look like next year Um, and he does need some refinement with route running as well Um, you know he doesn't always look clean in and out of his breaks Uh, he kind of rounds them off a little bit uh, which I think a lot of it is because he's not the best lateral mover Um, you know he's not a battleship like DK is at times Um, but you know he's he's not a super fluid athlete which is what we like to see but you know, and I'm not sure how much that's going to improve. Um, but you know, I, I you ask this guy to to do what he does well, and he can absolutely dominate. So don't ask him to do what he doesn't do, and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, literally, the only negative thing that I could ever say about him is that he rounds off the top of his routes like all the time. Um, yeah, because other than that, <laughs> there, like I could I could do this. Like if Colin had called me before the episode tonight and said that I can't do this show. I would have just talked for 60 minutes about Traylon Burks and called it a day. <laughs> I freaking love Traylon Burks. You want to talk about how good Chase Claypool was in the NFL this year? Well, Traylon Burks is Chase Claypool who actually did something in college. So if you really like Chase Claypool and his profile, then Traylon Burks is just a way, a way better profile than, than Claypool, in my opinion. The other, just one other thing that you didn't really mention at all is that he returned punts he didn't do it so much this year, but he did a lot as a freshman. Right. And the dude has such 
I'm not going to use the word such freaking <laughs> big hands that he was catching punts. Like it was a pass. Like he would just stick his hands up and catch it instead of fielding it like a normal punter. And the coaching staff was like, what are you doing? And he was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I can catch it like this. So nobody cares. And he, you would do it over and over again. And it yeah. didn't matter. It did not matter. I've never seen a guy do that. I'm, I will bet all, I'll bet everything on a freak athlete like him being able to do it in the NFL. And like you said, he can do it a lot of different ways. So I, I bought Traylon Burks in one spot this year. In these places, I don't have him. I will probably pay an arm and a leg to get him this offseason because he's not going to get any cheaper. He's just really, right. really not. Right. And I don't, I, he's probably a guy in, in your average Debbie league who's probably still available this year. Um, I would be, you know, assuming it's not a deep league, um, you know, it depends on how many rounds, obviously, but I, I would bet that he's probably still available. So you could probably go get him even if you're not in a campus to Canton league. If you're in a Debbie league, you can, you know, keep an eye on him or, you know, start acquiring a tw- an earlier 2022 pick because he's going to go pretty early once he blows up that combine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you did my guy justice, so I'm going to really do really hard, <laughs> try really hard to, to do the same for your guy here. So I was tasked with talking David Bell and why David Bell should be the number one wide receiver in this class. And first off, I think the most impressive thing about David Bell is the fact that Purdue is about to lose Rondale Moore for the year. And you literally don't hear anybody lamenting the fact that Rondale Moore is leaving Purdue because they have a more than adequate replacement in David Bell. And for a school that like, doesn't consistently produce a ton of skill position NFL talent. That is crazy impressive. Like you would think like Rondale Moore would be a guy that shows up like once every 20 years at a school like this, but, but Bell is making them not forget, but you know, maybe they don't appreciate quite what they had in Rondale because they got the next guy coming up here doing his thing. He has really good size is six, two, two Oh five. Um, I think he is probably the best in college. And I'm going to use a word here that I literally never, ever, ever use when I'm describing prospects. It is very, very rare to hear me say this word. I would call his body control elite. Oof. Yes, I, e word. I used the E word. I feel like I have to go wash my mouth out with soap, but I don't <laughs> even care. He is He has elite body control. He is a huge threat deep along the sidelines. Because he can go up and just do crazy things over top of unsuspecting defensive backs. You almost feel bad for guys because they'll be in perfect position and it just doesn't matter. Bell will go uh, around you, over you, under you. Uh, He does the craziest stuff that you would never think is possible to catch a ball. I think he's a good athlete. I don't think he is a great athlete. And that is literally the only thing that would keep him from being higher on my list where in a normal class, maybe he would be slightly higher because you just have freaky guys in front of him. Like for me, Burks. And I think Pickens is a little bit better of an athlete too, not by a lot, but he's a little bit taller. And I think he is slightly, slightly better athlete. And then Garrett Wilson is just, you know, very athletic as well. It's six, one, one which every time I look at his weight and height, I'm shocked. He looks so much smaller than that on the football. Field. He does. Garrett yeah. Always black. I look at it. I'm like surprised every time I, I look it up and I'm like, Oh, Garrett Wilson's six feet, one ninety six. Um, it never fails to shock me. So that's, that is literally the only thing that would keep David Bell from being higher on my list. But I, I can definitely appreciate him being higher on somebody else's. Yeah. I mean, I, with the wide receiver position, I look a lot more for, for the movement skills than just like the raw athleticism, just because I think we've seen, 
guys who aren't the best athletes ever out there, um, you know, produce very well. You know, guys like your Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, uh, you know, you got DeAndre Hopkins wasn't a phenomenal athlete or anything like that either. So, you know, I, I take a little bit off of it as long as, like I said, there's still like a very fluid mover. So his athleticism doesn't worry me. Yeah. Yeah. I, it doesn't worry me. Um, it's just something, like I said, when you're splitting hairs at like these top, top guys, and I really think next year's next year's top four or five wide receivers rival this year's. Oh, yeah. it's just after that, like it totally, you're just driving the, the you know, your truck off a cliff. Like there's just <laughs> nothing underneath that really, at least not now, maybe a guy or two right. breaks out next year, but then that raises, you know, breakout age questions and right. all that kind of stuff. That, well, I was going to say a way to set up our sleepers real well here. Yeah. So uh, tell us who's, who's your sleeper. At wide receiver. <laughs> uh, so my guy isn't, he's not, I don't think he's a true sleeper because I think he's on people's radars right now, but I don't think he's high enough. And that's uh, Donovan green from uh, wake forest, you know, red shirt freshman there. And I mean, he's got good size there at six to 200 pounds. Um, you know, so he's, he looks real good. Uh, he checks that box there too. And then his his freshman year, you know, he didn't really see action until the begin towards the end of the year. So he was able to redshirt even though he played four games, but he looked really good in those four games. I mean, he toasted Syracuse for seven for one seventy two and a touchdown uh, as a true freshman. Now it is Syracuse, but still, um, you know. And then he ended up finishing those four games with thirteen catches for two hundred and forty nine yards and two touchdowns. But again, four. Uh, you know, four games, so he could still redshirt. You know, this year, you know, he threw eight games. He had 29 for 582 and uh, two touchdowns again. Um, but he also just toasted um, – he absolutely toasted Wisconsin there in the – in the um, was it the Dukes-Mayo Bowl or, or whatever that bowl game was? The, champ- um, I, the, cham- the champagne of Mayo as far as yeah. I'm concerned. It's – some good stuff. <laughs> That's what I eat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he absolutely toasted Wisconsin in that one. Six passes or six catches for 122 yards. Um, and I think one of the things that stands out with him is, you know, his athleticism. You know, he's a great short area athlete, very bursty, very bouncy. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, that's going to sh- translate to the next level too there. And at that size too, I think that's something you really want to see. Um, you know, he's a good deep threat right now. Um, so you do need to see him develop, you know, when it comes to route running, um, you know, when it comes to his hands, he needs to develop a little bit too there. Um, but you know, we're just talking about athletic profiles and everything like that. So, you know, he has the athletic profile that you're looking for and, you know, he's a redshirt freshman. So, you know, he, he's got a lot of room to grow there as well. Now he's 2022 eligible there, but uh, I would ex- probably expect him to stick around for another year. Yeah, uh, I really expected more out of him this year. Um, I'm a huge Donovan Green guy. Um, really, really like what he has to offer. Um, the only downsides to him, and I like I I had him. Well, I still have him, and as like a second round rookie guy, so like a, a day two NFL draft pick. His hands are very inconsistent downfield. Uh, like he'll yeah. make he'll make some crazy catches sometimes and other times like, I mean, it's still contested, but it's stuff that you expect him. He's shown that he can do it. He just doesn't always do it. Um, I just wish he had a better quarterback. Right. Sam Hart. Like I, I really wanted to like Sam Hartman coming into the year. Um, but he's just like, 
uh, he threw a couple interceptions in that bowl game. And Wisconsin, yeah. were, like the Wisconsin defender was the receiver. <laughs> like they're just bad, bad throws. Uh, and I don't think he has much room to grow. So poor Donovan Green might not get too much uh, help in that regard next year either. No, and I think that's what's going to help keep his value suppressed. Um, you know, so it's it may take him getting to the league and getting you know some more consistent quarterback play before you start to see him like truly learn the position and truly play it well. Um, so he's a guy who's probably going to like break, you know, not break out right away. I, I don't think he's going to be an immediate producer at the NFL level, but with all of his traits and everything like that, I would expect him to be kind of one of those guys you're looking year three where he just comes out of nowhere and you're like, who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, so I chose a guy from wide receiver you here. And not not Alabama, not Oklahoma, not LSU, not Ohio State. We're talking Colorado State Rams football, <laughs> baby. Woo! <laughs> they, I sort of joke, but I mean, the past couple of years, they've put Preston Williams, Michael Gallup, and then Warren Jackson this year in the NFL. Those are three good receivers. I'd put I'd yeah. put up that that group against like anybody outside of you know just the the absolute powerhouses out there. So I don't see why Dante Wright can't be the next guy. He's a little bit different than those guys. Um, I think Gallup is like the smallest of those guys. And what is he? Six two, six three. I didn't look that up before the show yeah. here. Yeah, I think Gallup six two. Yeah, he's he's around that range. Um, Wright's a little bit smaller. He's like five nine, one eighty, and he's a little bit more versatile than those guys. Where I think. Uh, all three of them are kind of a little bit deeper type of guys. You want them threatening downfield a little bit more. Uh, Wright can do everything. He can do – they use him a lot on on short stuff, manufactured touches, uh, you know, screen game, things like that. They use him a lot downfield as well, and I think he's a very capable deep ball guy. He tracks the ball well. He can fight through contact really well for his size. Um I had him coming into the year as oh, and he has a year one breakout too, which I really, really like. Um, which I, which sounds more impressive than it is at a school like that, because like I said, they've been producing these other NFL guys, so he has had to compete with legitimate players for targets. Because they also have uh, what's his name, Trey McBride, the tight end there, who I I like a decent amount. Yeah. Um, I think I have had him as a day two guy since last year. I thought after I watched a little bit of his freshman year, I was pretty sold, and I still think. Of all the players in this 2021 class, he definitely offers something different where he is really the only smaller guy outside of Garrett Wilson that we've even mentioned today. I mean, um, Drake London's 6'5". Then I have Dante Wright's my wide receiver 6. After that, you have Theo Weiss, who's bigger. Um, he's not huge. But, and then you, you're you talking about after that, guys like maybe a Wandale Robinson. Um and then I'm still scrolling through my list, maybe like an Aeneas Smith. There's not a lot of tiny guys in this class. So if there's a team looking for a player like that, he is going to be, I think, one of the first players in that mold off of the board in 2022, assuming that he declares. I mean, it's a G5 guy, so maybe he stays four years. I don't know. But I think pe more people need to be aware of, of this kid because I think he has a chance to be a very good NFL player. Yeah, no, you got right a, a great point there with Wright and with uh, the Colorado Ram State Rams wide receiver. You, um, if you're a Colorado State Rams fan, definitely go rate and review this podcast because I don't know how I don't know how much higher you're gonna get, how much higher praise you're gonna get from anybody else. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, 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 I've enjoyed watching their offense over the past couple of years. I think they're fun. I don't know what they're gonna do at quarterback next year. Did they just have somebody transfer in? 
because I know um, their quarterback from last year is not returning. Uh, I'm blanking on his um, name right now. I don't know if they had anybody transfer in yet, um, but I think that you certainly could see somebody go there with all of these quarterbacks that have have entered the transfer portal. There's so yeah. many this year. Yeah. Yeah, that, that portal is full. We're going to have to do an episode about that soon because that portal is like overflowing and about to burst. And we, yeah, we're going we're gonna to need to talk about that. Uh, but maybe some other day when we have some more time here. So, on to our last position. And uh, we never really talk tight end that much on the show here, uh, but we're going to tonight. We don't usually cover it just because it's so hard to scout the position. And at any one time, there's like eight tight ends that are interested. And then everybody else is just kind of like, well, maybe he's good and be good someday. Like, I'll use him as a throw in somewhere to like get something that I really want. Like there, there's a lot of those guys, but there's not a lot of, you know, tight ends that you feel comfortable starting week in week out on rosters. Uh, so we did top three at the position. You and I both have the same number one and number two. And I think our number one, and number two are a little atypical. I think people have finally come around on Texas A&M's Jalen Weidermeyer, who we both have tight end one, but our tight end two, both of us. And I think, I'm like, I talked a little bit about him before, but I'm like 98% sure that Colin is the one who introduced me to this kid. And that's Kate Otten from Washington. And then behind that, Colin has Clemson's Braden Galloway, number three, who is, we just want to note before we talk about him too much, he is 2021 eligible. So there is a chance that this is a moot point in about a week, but we're going to talk about him anyway. And then I have Alabama's Jaleel Billingsley, who's playing here tonight as my tight end three. So Colin, why should we be buying Jaleel Billingsley? Um, so, I mean, you for, you switched this one up on me a little bit here. At first, you had um, Grant Calcaterra on there um, for a second. And then, you know, I was getting ready to talk about him. But uh, with Billingsley, you know, I mean, he's, he's the athlete that you look for at the tight end position that everybody's looking for nowadays. Um, you know, he's got that 46440. Uh, and he ran a 448 20-yard uh, shuttle at the opening when he was coming out. Uh, but you know, beyond that, he is also he returned some kicks. I mean, he's just, you know, what other tight end returns kicks? You know, he had three kick returns against Florida in the championship game. Uh, you know, he looked really good in that. So, you know, that just speaks to like his level of athleticism there. Um, but you know, he does have like good hands. He looks like a real natural catching the ball. He doesn't get a lot of work this year, but he did start to come on towards the end of the year. Um, so I think you're, he's a guy you're going to hear hyped up, uh, you know, start to get hyped up here this off season. Um, you know, cause he started, like I said, he started to come on down the stretch. You know, he had a couple three, four catch games, which, you know, in an offense where they're kind of funneling everything through Najee and Devonta Smith, you know, you like to see that. Um, so, you know, I like Jaleel Billingsley. There's not a lot out there on him. So I have not dug into the tape on this one. I will be honest with that. Um, but, you know, just from watching the games and from watching him today, you know, like I said, the, the athleticism jumps out right away at you. Um, and, you know, he was a high, high profile guy coming out too. you know, four star, you know, he's the number 11 tight end in his class. So, you know, he has a little bit of that profile, but I would say my biggest concern with Billingsley though, is he needs to put on some weight to be a tight end at the next level. Um, you know, I think you want him in more of a move role anyway, again, which is that athleticism, but you know, even the tight ends in the move role, you know, you're seeing a lot of them at that 245, 250 mark at the next level. So you'd like to see him put on probably like 15 more pounds, uh, which I think he could do, um, you know, for, and, and keep that athleticism. So, 
you know, like we talk about at the tight end position, it's kind of barren. So when you're looking at, you know, at school like Alabama that just consistently produces solid tight ends, you know, OJ Howard, you, know, you have Herb Smith. So, you know, I definitely think that he's a guy to keep on your radar there. And he's definitely a guy that I'm going to need to dig into more this offseason. Now, I know I didn't do a great job talking him up. <laughs> uh, but again, that's just because I did not, I have not watched that much of Julio Billingsley. Yeah, because I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I have nice things to say about Braden Galloway, but like, I think it's hard to kind of, you know, gush about, yeah, about really any of these. Like, I think the, t- the top two tight ends we'd be comfortable really talking about and, and saying that we project them pretty well. But after that, I mean, it, like we said, there's like eight tight ends. Like, how many do you expect to come out of one class that like are actually right. going to be good? Like, you know, unless it was a weird year, like this I, year. I, that's a good point. Yeah. Like this but year. But again, it's a weird year like this year. So you're not expecting that again anytime soon. And we're not even sure that like all three of those guys are actually like, going to be good. Like the odds are like right. one guy from this year is really good. Another one's pretty good. And then like you, one of them probably drops off completely. Like the, the odds say that's probably the case. Yeah. No matter how confident we are about it. Um, so just jumping into Galloway here a little bit. Um, when you're scouting tight end, like we said, you know, you just want these big athletic like slabs of marble. And then you hope that the artist that is the NFL can chisel something into that marble that we like to see and that can do a little something. Um, so, um, and just, Oh man, Devonta Smith just caught another freaking touchdown pass. <laughs> this dude, this kid's unreal, man. Like, ah, Oh man. Okay. Back to, back to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> so Galloway, who is definitely not Devonta Smith as a prospect. Um, he's six four two forty. He can definitely move really well out there. You can tell watching him that he's an NFL quality athlete at the position. Doesn't have any verified numbers, like even from high school, because he was like a low three-star. He really wasn't a super hyped kid coming out, but Clemson does a really good job of finding these diamonds in the rough, and and their staff does a really good job of developing a lot of them. And they did it again here with Galloway. He has pretty solid hands. I don't really see any issues with that. And he was basically the third option in the passing game for them. I mean, I guess if you squeeze Etienne in there, then he was fourth. But they had Rodgers, Powell, Etienne, and Galloway, and then like not a lot of other guys caught passes this year. Uh, he had 27 catches for 369 yards and two touchdowns. He did miss a season um, due to suspension, or at least the majority of a season due to uh, suspension. Yeah. yeah, so that's something to monitor. But it wasn't like like it was a uh, banned substances. It wasn't. Um, you know, running into something, some sort of trouble with the law or something like right. that, which I guess makes me feel better if a guy has to miss a season due to suspension. <laughs> he wasn't in jail for it. So, um, yeah, I think he, like like we said, I mean, you're, you're just drafting athletes. You hope they become something. Galloway's an athlete. Maybe he can become something. That's pretty much all I got to say about that. Right. And I think, like, I think outside of the top two guys there for me, this is going to be pretty fluid throughout the offseason. Um, but we wanted to give a little bit of tight end love just cause we don't do it very often. Yeah. 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 Um, sleeper wise, uh, who, who's a guy that you could see, uh, popping up out of nowhere here a little bit in this class. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the sleeper for me, um, it's actually a guy that, um, you know, Brandon Lejeune, um, Debbie deep dive. He's a guy, he turned me on to him. Um, you know, and his, uh, that's Greg Dulcich, uh, out of UCLA. And you know he's a converted wide receiver, uh, six four two forty two, 
Um, but, you know, and on top of, you know, his, his profile here, but it's just a great story. He was a walk on guy. He just earned a scholarship there last spring. And, you know, he ends up just, just balling out this year, just looking really good in limited gameplay. Um, you know, he put up 26 catches, 517 yards and five TDs. Uh, and he had that monster game against USC where he went eight for 167 in a touchdown. Um, so, you know, he, he just like I said, a great story. But, you know, beyond that, you know, he's got that wide receiver converted wide receiver profile that everybody's kind of looking at right now or just converted athlete into tight end. You know, you have like the guys like Darren Waller, um, you know, Logan Thomas at the next level. Uh, you know, the Eagles are trying to do that with Hakeem Butler. They're trying to move him to tight end. So that's kind of a trend you're starting to see there. Um, and, you know, as a converted wide receiver, he has nice, strong hands, um, and he does go up and high point the ball very well. Um, now, you know, I haven't watched much of him this year besides that USC game. Um, so I am excited to really get back there and dig into him more. Um, but you know, like I said, he's got this good long speed there. He burst, he broke off his long run. So again, that's just checking the athleticism box that you're looking for. But this is a guy that I'm sure is probably free out there in your C2C leagues, unless you play with Brandon Lejeune. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and I, I apologize if I'm not saying his name right, but, uh, you know, so so he's a guy that you're going to want to go out and get this offseason uh, early because, like I said, he was just their leading receiver this year. He was their best receiver on the field. I got to tell you, if you don't listen to Brandon Lejeune's stuff, I am in the program league with him. I got, he's on my side of the league in that. And, um, literally any single time, like I, I find a guy that like nobody is talking about and I'm pretty sure he's a free agent and I go to search him in the players section. He's already on Lejeune's roster. Yeah. It, it, it hurts so bad. <laughs> and I, I, I remember I messaged him the one time and I was like, Hey man, like you interested in trading him? And he was like, I don't know. I don't know if I, if you have anything on your roster that really interests me. And I was just oh. like, ouch, man. That hurts. He to do me like that. But no, he that is. hurts. He's a really smart guy. So if he, yeah. if he says that he's on that and, and I like, if you say he's on it, then, then I'll go and try to, to find a little bit of this kid to watch. Um, is that why you were watching UCLA offense the other night? Cause you texted me about somebody else. Yes. I yeah, was like, why yeah, are you watching yeah. UCLA? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll just, we'll just drop a completely off the cuff spo- um, sleeper here. Uh, Keegan Jones for next year. Uh, UCLA is running back. Yeah. This kid can just absolutely fly. Um, and they're losing their top two guys. So keep an eye on him too. But yes, that's why I was watching UCLA's offense. Okay. That makes more sense now. Yeah. I'm starting to put those pieces together. <laughs> um, so I always give you a really hard time for your, for cop out answers on this show. And I'm totally going to call myself out for it here because my sleeper is Baylor cup, which is like the mm-hmm. ultimate cop out answer Yep, because he was the top tight end recruit in that class. He was just an Uber athlete. He was a dominant track guy in high school, uh, 24 seven comp to Travis Kelsey, which, you know, we talk about all the time, like those comps aren't necessarily the greatest thing, but he's a huge kid. I mean, even like coming out of high school, he was listed at six, six like that. That's a man. Like, can you imagine playing any sport in high school? And there's a dude that's that big that you're yeah. matched up against. Like I would probably retire that day and just be done with it. Um, but then he went to Texas A&M Wait, it, I mean, same school Jalen Weidermeyer went to, and Weidermeyer was considered like they brought him in to be the blocking guy, and Cup was going to be the move guy in that offense. But Cup has had two um, year-ending injuries in a row. Um, was this year's shoulder or was last year's shoulder? 
I don't uh, remember which it is, and it's not that important. Um, I don't either. But, but either way, uh, he's missed. He's literally like hasn't played a snap at all. Like he's he's been hurt basically his entire time on campus. This year's shoulder. This year's shoulder. Okay, but he has all of the athletic attributes. I think where he if he can stay healthy for a year here and they're not like they're like reoccurring injuries they've been kind of you know freakier stuff that you think he can probably come back from then i don't see why this kid can't be tight end one in that class next year i mean we we just said we want great athletes this kid's a great athlete and texas a&m will use the tight end so i don't know what that offense is going to look like next year with mond going to the nfl there's a lot of question marks there i mean maybe um Haynes King is their quarterback. I think that's probably assumed unless they bring somebody else in. I, I, I really don't know, but yeah, I mean, I think if you can find somebody, well, like in startups right now, cup is going to just be ridiculously cheap. I think he's going to be an afterthought. I think you're going to see a lot of like Eric Gilbert go before him. You're going to see Weidermeyer go before him. You're going to see, um, trying to see who else on my list here. I think we go ahead of him and C2C drafts. I think Michael Mayer will go ahead of him. I think Billingsley will. I could see Calcaterra going ahead of him coming back this year. And I think he can outproduce almost all those guys and, and really make it in the NFL. So if I can buy him that way or get him as a throw in on a different deal, then, then yeah, um, I will happily buy up some Baylor cup going into next year. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. Um, but but that is a cop out answer, like you said. It is. It is. I'm gonna I'll call you on it this time. I'll, I'll call it when I see it. You know, I, I'm I'm very fair about those sort of things. So you are, you are. Even when you do have a cop out answer, you call yourself on exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think that is the show for tonight, guys. I hope you enjoyed our take on 2022 rankings. Feel free to tweet at us. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm at Debbie Dietz. Colin is at Campus2Canton, the number two in the middle there. Tell us what guys maybe we missed or who maybe your sleeper is so we can look into them a little bit more um, because we are, I mean, it's the off season now. All we do is look for sleepers and you know, kind of try to figure out what what's going on going into next next uh, season here. So so, um, so yeah, Colin, have anything else to add? Um, no, not besides, you know, if you want a free autographed JK Dobbins jersey, uh, a guy who's, you know, we talked about before, he's, you know, he's probably going to break out next year. So, you know, you, you're going to want to get in on this. He, maybe he's a future Hall of Famer. You don't know. And you can get this for free right now just by going and rating and reviewing our podcast. Very yes. simple, very simple to do. Yeah. And please, 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 if you do it, either DM us a screenshot of you typing it in or email it to us um, so that we can put a, a name to an entry right away and we don't run into any issues with getting it out there to you so you don't miss out on this. Um, so I think right. we don't want Felix to get this because he's he's at a 50% shot right now. And like, let's be honest, nobody wants him to get this jersey because he's probably going to burn it. I'll be damned if I, if Felix is going to win this jersey, guys. So let's everybody come on. We can get we can get a few more reviews in there and make this some sort of a competition. Um, because well, I was going to say if Ohio State wins this game, you probably would have had to like wear it on the next show. But things are looking grim here, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, so I'm sorry if you DVR the game, everybody. Um, and for some reason, you listened to this podcast before you went to watch it, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's all. 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> people do weird stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. So that's going to be the show for tonight, guys. Uh, as always, tune in here later in the week for our Canton Bound, um, our NFL side of things. Until then, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And Roll Tide.